0: Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Today's guest, Lee Barkin, CEO and founder of Collective Sun, will update us on his efforts to help nonprofits add solar using innovative, tax-optimized structures. He'll also share how his superpower, making mistakes, really does help him change the world. Lee, welcome back. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Devin. Great to see you again. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You know, you were one of my early guests on the show, what, six, seven, eight years ago? It's been a minute. At least, Um, yeah. And uh, I I admired then and I admire now uh, what you've been doing. It's, It's really impressive work at Collective Sun. And part of what... You've been doing in terms of solar panels for nonprofits, uh, you know, using crowdfunding and impact investing. I mean, those are just so many of my sweet spots, all in one, you know, conversation. I just, I just love it. But why don't you give us a quick
1: update? How are things going at Collective Sun these days? Sure, thanks, Devin, and thanks again for all the support over the years. And and I don't know how you originally found us so early on, but more, more than most, uh, and we, we appreciate uh, the, the thoughtfulness and support that you've shared. And when we were founded, and this is you know, a decade ago, it was really on the principle that all nonprofits should have access to clean energy. And over the years, we've had different structures and uh, you know, methods for accomplishing that. You know, at our core, we're still doing solar financing for nonprofits. Uh, but in recent times, uh, I'd say our, our mission has really gravitated around engaging values line capital to solve social and environmental problems. And that's that's kind of what's been our driver. So give us some examples of
0: what you're doing. Let's start with the solar. Give us a, a, a case example of a solar structure. Walk it walk us through and then let's talk about some of the other things you're using your financing for.
1: Sure, sure. So, in the solar universe, nonprofits have always been challenged just by their nature. Uh, traditional financing sources have not been a great fit. Traditional banks don't always like lending money to nonprofits, and they also have issues with their tax-exempt status. So, they haven't been able to access tax benefits that are typically enjoyed by uh, nonprofit and tax-exempt organizations. So, there's various, uh, you know, uh, methods to accomplish that. Um, the uh, you know nerdy accounting under the hood stuff may, may not be as exciting for some of your uh, viewers, but that that methodology has evolved over the last uh, you know several years. The current approach that we use, called a solar power agreement, is very similar to a a prepaid lease. Uh, there's some tweaks for IRS compliance, but functionally, uh, you know, we're able to utilize tax benefits that are otherwise lost when nonprofits try and go solar. So using this SPA or solar power agreement structure, uh, which we've been using for about four years now, we've built 160 plus projects across 20 states with a total project value, a little north of $60 million worth of projects. So there's definitely no shortage of uh, nonprofits who want to reduce an operating expense and support sustainability and do their part for the environment uh you know and saving money at the same time it's kind of a win all the way around it is such a an exciting thing to think about uh because
0: there is this uh kind of structural barrier to for nonprofits uh, for a variety of reasons but the the tax issue is there you have uh, a different kind of revenue and profit model that you know nonprofits not allowed to call their profit profit but you've got to look for it in order to get comfortable that it's uh, uh, a a risk that you can take as a lender so uh, give us a little bit of insight into how you work through that what does this uh, solar power purchase agreement w- work
1: um, yeah and so our our model is a kind of a variant of a traditional power purchase agreement and we, separate uh, some of the the you know kind of deconstructing it if you will to allow uh, and provide some of that debt component to the nonprofit whereas other traditional lenders are typically uncomfortable with lending money to nonprofits they they have a number of uh, you know impediments uh, on, on the one hand if you lend money to a, a church or a synagogue or a school or a Boys and Girls Club or YMCA or, or any manner of community service organization that represents a typical client for us, uh, you know, a bank doesn't want to foreclose on that property. Uh, so there's kind of a headline risk for them. So even though they have assets and great support, the, those aren't typically absorbed well by a traditional lender. And then you also have, you know, the issue of the revenue cycle for a nonprofit can be constrained and. Risk-averse lenders will think, oh, well, what if there's an economic downturn? Will that affect giving? And also doesn't adequately give credit to the, the vibrant strength of these nonprofits and their communities of supporters uh, behind them. And so that can also be a source of uh, you know longevity. Um, so what, what we've done is we've we've developed you know a series of different tools uh, and capital sources to help nonprofits. Uh, one of them is called the Sun for All Solar Fund, which we stood up uh, about uh, two years ago uh, in partnership with a family foundation called the Bequest Foundation. And that fund actually provides a loan to the nonprofit, which they can then use to fund their solar project. And so we're engaging uh, these you know, capital providers, uh, family foundations, community foundations, other high net wealth individuals. Uh, in order to provide capital in places where it otherwise, you know, would not be able to reach. Yeah,
0: it's, it's cool stuff. So give us uh, uh, maybe a prototypical uh, deal. Um, and I'm trying to help you craft something like a pitch to our nonprofit listeners. So they're sitting there thinking, Man, I wonder if this is for me. How would how would they know if this is if you're a good fit?
1: Yeah, so you know the pitch today, Devin, is a lot simpler than it was uh, a decade ago. Uh, today, it's do you want to lower an operating cost? That's pretty straightforward. Uh, solar's been largely well absorbed in uh, in our culture and society and around the world, and so there isn't as much of a conversation about you know why we need solar. Often the conversations kind of jump to, okay, well, how do we pay for it? And that that ends up being a challenge. So if you're a nonprofit, you own a building, or you have a long-term lease, you know, energy is one of those expenses at the top of the list, typically right after payroll. Uh, and and this is an opportunity to lower an operating cost and do a social good at the same time uh, by lowering your carbon footprint. Um.
0: So if someone were interested at this point you've just sold them they're they're now at least interested who do they call what, or where do they find you on the interwebs
1: Yeah yeah so collectivesun.com. sun.com but th- this is where it gets interesting with our with our approach so so we don't just you know stop there with helping nonprofits figuring out how to pay for this we really roll up our sleeves and help nonprofits along this journey uh, with our sun for all solar fund the starting point is you know, an address and copy of your utility bill and consumption data. So we we actually want to lean in and support a technical review and a feasibility study to really understand what's the optimal system for that nonprofit organization. And when I say optimal, you know, you should say, well, optimal for whom? Uh, and sometimes there are different parties and. and not in all cases. Some solar installers are amazing and we learn from them. But in general, our observation is that the best interest for the nonprofit is not always in perfect alignment with the best interest of the solar installer. And we've aligned ourselves with the nonprofit uh, in that conversation, which is to say that uh, you know a solar installer might look at a roof and go, how many panels can we fit and build the biggest system? And that might be optimal we look at the on-site utility data, the consumption data, and really understand what's the optimal size from the nonprofit's perspective. That may be filling out the roof, that may not be. That may be putting in a carport, that may be adding battery storage, that may be a variety of different things, uh, but really supporting the best interest of the nonprofit is is central uh, to that conversation and, and helping them.
0: Well, it, it's phenomenal work that you're doing. Um- as you look back, uh, you talked about, I think you said you've done $60 million worth of transactions in the last year or so. But, but uh, over the course of time, you've probably helped hundreds of nonprofits get solar on their rooftops. Tell us a little bit about uh, a favorite example of how that worked, how it helped the nonprofit, how it, you know, just give us a, a, a favorite case study.
1: Yeah, so so my favorites are often the ones that are most that are hardest to, to accomplish, and and the stats I was sharing were since we created this structure the solar power agreement uh, about four years ago, and there were different structures before that, and and other projects that we were involved in, all again with the same theme of of providing financing for nonprofits. Um, but but I I have you know uh, I, I've had conversations with with pastors who have. Uh, you know, express different points of view about the climate crisis. Um, and I've even shared, like, you know, that that's not a thing to bring up in our congregation. Remember, we're a national footprint like that. That's that's not something, you know, we we are are, are we subscribe to that point of view. Um, but uh, if you can help me save money on my utility bills, I don't care if it's golden toilets end quote. Uh, (laughs) In those models, you really have to meet people where they are. And we can make a conversation, you know, economically compelling conversation with a spreadsheet uh, and go, here's how you do more of your mission. Here's how you serve more veterans. Here's how you serve more, you know, animal shelters or affordable housing or homeless people or food banks or whatever it is, do more of that good thing. And then later they install the system and members of their congregation approach them, typically younger members, and go, how cool is that, that we put in solar? And then the pastor goes, oh, I, I like this praise and I like how it's engaging younger generations. And, uh, and I'm you know, thrilled uh, that, that they, they enjoy that spotlight because then they lean in more. And then we talk about, you know, how to compost and other things we, we might care about uh, that are important. Uh, but but the opening conversation is really about finding common ground. Uh, and, and some people share our perspectives and some don't. That's okay. Uh, but but we can have a conversation about what's important to them and that's advancing the mission.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just now reading a book by Catherine Hayhoe, who is a a devout Christian, who is one of the most well-known, well-regarded, uh, outspoken people on climate change. And her particular forte is exactly what you're talking about. It, it's finding a way to communicate with people who don't share our frame of reference on climate change about issues like, you know, from solar panels and the practical money savings to whatever it may be to help bring more people into the fold. So, this is a, uh, your message resonates with me right now because I'm reading that book and I love Catherine. She's great. Um, you mentioned at the top of the discussion that you are doing some things in addition to uh, solar now. Tell us a little bit about what's in addition to solar.
1: Yeah, well, there, there's, broadly speaking, a lot of different ways to use values-aligned, engaging values-aligned capital to support social and environmental pro- problems. And we, we have a number of those projects uh, that are kind of in, in development and, and in the works. But but I'll say, more broadly speaking, you know, impact investing is an interesting term, because all investments have an impact, right? Uh, and so... You know, helping align that impact that folks want to see with their dollars is now evolving a little bit more than just SRI funds, where we eliminate guns, tobacco, alcohol, or negative screens from our uh, portfolios, and instead they're looking at how do I how do we use our money for good, and and it's a little in between philanthropy and investing because yes, there's an investment and there's a return. It's typically concessionary or below market rate, um, but it's still investing, and yet there's this philanthropic component as well. So, so we have a number of things in, in in the works that are kind of exploring this space, but but the themes are are always you know come come back to those core central tenants, uh, and so as the you know business world is evolving more towards being socially conscious, and there's evidence with BlackRock and the CEO and letters and so on. But at the same time, philanthropy is also evolving and moving into, um, you know, not 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 saying philanthrop- uh, nonprofits have to become businesses, but they're exploring revenue generating activities so that they don't have to constantly live on this treadmill of donations. And so impact investing is kind of this alignment and convergence. And, and within impact investing, you know, our, our models certainly fall in the impact first side of that. You know, if you think of that as a sort of continuum, um, but but stay tuned to this space. There's some really exciting things happening here. Oh, that's fantastic, fantastic! And I, we will stay tuned. We will look
0: forward to learning more in the future and how things evolve. But you've been doing a lot of good, Lee. You really have. Uh, you know, the the environmental impact you're having, you know, on, on reversing climate change and the support you're giving to nonprofits. I mean, my gosh, uh, really, really impactful. And now providing returns to investors, uh,
1: you know, kudos, kudos, kudos. Well, I'm going to say we're enabling good uh, and, and the good that's being done is with the nonprofits serving in their communities. The good that's being done is with the impact investors who are recognizing that there's more good that their capital can do and and there is kind of an awakening in that world right now with foundations private family foundations community foundations looking at structures like program related investments or recoverable grants or other tools that they can use so that their funds can advance a cause or mission or purpose yeah well Lee, what is your superpower? So, I, I love that you ask people this this question, and and um, I, I'm going to say my my superpower is making mistakes, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because I really want to share for your viewers that everybody has a superpower, and everybody can join me in making mistakes, and uh, and, and feel empowered. Um, you yeah. know that they can also do these things uh because we're all very capable of making mistakes uh, the, the fun part I think for us is is the you know learning from those mistakes and not repeating those mistakes uh, and you know you using them in ways to advance but it really starts with giving yourself permission to uh, you know, in in creating cultures and environments where you you have permission to fail.
0: Yeah, that's that really is a profound uh, superpower. As you look back on all the impact you're having or facilitating or enabling, uh, as you look back at all that impact, how do you see making mistakes fitting in to ultimately
1: accomplishing all that? It it (laughs) does. I mean, I can kind of envision it myself,
0: but you tell me how you see that.
1: Yeah, everywhere um, across the board. From, from starting, you know, founding Collective Sun on the premise that everybody's just going to act in the best interest of nonprofits. Like that was a mistake. <laughs> but it was a learning opportunity and it gave us a chance to kind of bring people along in that learning journey and, and tweak things along the way and make uh, adaptations. Uh, but in, in some, you know, in some industries like I, I love looking at marketing folks get this they do things called a b tests they intentionally make mistakes to learn something from them and for some reason you know if you're in marketing like that's aspirational and 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 positive and let's go do some a b tests and it's like you're being a good professional by doing a b tests and yet in other aspects and other you know elements of our lives and in our work, we, we don't always take the same approach, and and, it, and we really should, and it's okay uh, to, to do that uh, as long as you're learning. You know, if you do an yeah. A-B test and you go, hey, which one of those subject lines worked better? And, you know, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that's not providing that that feedback loop uh, to enable you to improve yeah. and, and to adapt. But if you're paying attention, the act of, you know, making mistakes, you know, that, that should be part of the learning journey. Yeah, it, it really can be. You
0: highlighted the need to uh, learn from the mistakes. As you reflect on the mistakes you've made and the lessons you've learned, sometimes that's got to be painful. Talk a little bit about that process of actually learning from the mistakes so that you don't repeat the same mistake.
1: I, I, yeah, I don't think it's it's painful at all. Uh, I would almost characterize it as, Enjoyable in the context of it creates a learning experience, and so if you set up, you know, a, a test, if you just think of it as an experiment, you know, I'm going to try something, and I'm, I'm, but I, I'm going to take notes as I go along, or I'm going to observe some output or some, you know, portion or capacity of that experiment uh, to analyze and understand. Um, and that's not really painful at all. That that actually can be an enjoyable process.
0: Yeah. I, I I see what you're saying. Now it sounds funny. I know. And of course, you've got a great sense of humor. And so at some at some level, there's a part of you that's saying that making mistakes is a superpower is a joke. But it, it truly is profound. And I get that in that under that joke, under that level where we chuckle at the idea that there is a profound truth there. How did you learn that making mistakes could be beneficial? Because it's just so counterintuitive. Our brains say we should never make mistakes. Mistakes are to be avoided. How do you get to where <laughs> making mistakes is a superpower?
1: Uh, I think I just used my my natural gift for making mistakes. and. <laughs> uh and then paying attention and then learning for, from those exercises. Um,
0: how, okay, so that's that's excellent. Excellent, excellent. But how did you learn to give yourself permission to do that? Cuz you know, frankly, I'm not good at that. Uh I I make plenty of mistakes, but I'm so hard on myself sometimes, and I think a lot of people are hard on themselves when they make mistakes. And so because they are they don't want to make any more mistakes. They want to be very careful about not making mistakes. What's the secret to giving yourself permission to make mistakes?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, it's a secret um, as much as I was very lucky to be raised in an environment where um, those mistakes, you know, weren't punished the way you'd think of in a traditional sense. And so I suppose if you want the secret, you have to invite my mom and dad onto the show and you can ask them, uh, you know, when I started my first company in junior high, uh, you know, and they, they later at later years, uh, you know, when I was talking about, gosh, you know, this thing or this thing, that was a failure. And, you know, my parents said, well, that wasn't a failure. That was a subsidized learning experience. <laughs> I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a good way, good way to look at it. And I, I try to sort of maintain that, that approach that, it, the value is created in the learning process, and you're not going to be able to learn in, unless you give yourself permission to make mistakes. Experiment. I, I, it, that really is important. So, so let's let's follow
0: up on that. How do would you encourage other people to develop that courage, that strength, that superpower of of making mistakes constructively, forgiving yourself, moving forward, lessons learned toward big success?
1: Yeah, I think it's just overcoming the fear, you know, the fear of failure uh, and acknowledging that action cures fear and just execute and try and experiment and go for it. And uh, what's the worst that can happen? (laughs) it's probably not as bad as you think.
0: Well, that's great. Uh, You're right. What's the worst that can happen? In most cases, uh, it's not very bad. It's not very bad. Uh, Our ego is most at risk. And if we can get past that, uh, so much more we can learn, so much more we can do. It's really a profound conversation, Lee. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, Lee, it's been so good to have you and I, I feel like I've learned so much. Uh, before you go, I, I want to come back. Near the top of the show, I asked you about, you know, how does a nonprofit call, w- would you just share, again, how people can get in touch with you? And, and of course, there's some people who aren't customers that, that may want to follow you on social media and, and be in touch that way. So give us a little bit of a rundown of how people can be in touch with you.
1: Sure, Thank, thanks for that. I mean, the best uh, way to reach us is to go to, collectivesun.com and there's links there to our Twitter feed and Facebook page and you can click a contact us button reach out to us happy to you know be a sounding board compare notes answer questions uh, and just learn together oh fantastic
0: well Lee again thank you very much for taking the time to be with us it's a thrill to catch up uh, you know you've accomplished so much uh, in in recent years and I congratulate you for uh all that you're doing, the good that you're doing for nonprofits and for the climate and for everybody else. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Congratulations, kudo and good luck in continuing to grow your impact and influence. Uh we want to see you succeed tremendously.
1: Thanks, Evan, and thanks for everything you're doing to shine the spotlight on on so many people out there. You said over twelve hundred episodes now. That's yeah. amazing. And uh here's to, you know, 1,200, uh, many times over more.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit DevonThorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.